Welcome, listeners, to the BHL Podcast Series. I'm your host, Scott Heidner, and I am delighted today uh, to welcome as my guest former Governor Bill Graves, the 43rd Governor of the State of Kansas. Governor, thank you so much for making time to be here. Scott, thanks. I, I appreciate the opportunity. Absolutely. Very exciting. I know you're not in town a lot, and when you are, everybody wants a piece of your time, so it's good of you to carve out some for us. Love to get back to Kansas periodically, and glad there's a few few uh, occasions where people uh, want me to come back. <laughs> I'm sure there are plenty. Uh, well, we would love to do, our goal today is really just to do a little retrospective of your journey, you know, starting out as, as a young man in Kansas and your time in D.C., and Get your reflections on some of your experiences from different sides of the aisle, both public and private, state and federal, maybe some reflections on how things have changed. Uh, but let's start all the way back in the beginning. Uh, proud native son of Salina, Kansas. Right, right. Very good. I was born in uh, 1953, January 9th. Um, in fact, my my mother always told me that, uh, that uh, my birth took place somewhere around midnight on uh, January the 8th, January the 9th, and, and uh, she said, I decided that, uh, that we'd, you know, get a, get a good fresh start on a new day, and so that's why <laughs> she picked uh, the 9th, and uh, I spent uh, my entire life, so to speak, in Salina, uh, and uh, uh, before, uh, before ending up in Topeka in a public service political uh, sort of role and then uh, in 2003 at the end of, of, of that I uh, relocated with my family to Washington DC it's actually McLean Virginia uh, where we live but uh, and I had uh, it sort of came full circle and I was uh, uh, running the American Trucking Association in Washington for 14 years and and uh, about uh, two years ago I, uh, I decided I'd had enough of that and needed to just kind of relax a little bit more and so I retired and and that's kind of where I am right now in my life. Very good. Well back at the Salina days at the early point of your life what uh, I know you come from a family that was in the trucking industry what uh, what were your formative influences as a kid what whetted your interest in public policy or or was it as a child or was that more an adult thing uh, you know were your parents engaged civically politically how did you get the bug well um the you know the we were certainly a a family and uh built around um the company business which was graves truck line uh and everyone worked for the company uh all the aunts and uncles and cousins um you know everybody worked uh so by the i think my first summer to work uh, i was 13 years old i believe um, and, uh, you know, uh, just all, built my whole life around the notion that someday I would, would sort of join the, the management ranks. And then ultimately, you know, the idea was I would, you know, succeed my father and, and, uh, and be the head of Graves truck line. Um, the, uh, um, you know, the thing, the company was very successful, uh, and at one point, uh, was a publicly traded company. Uh, my dad and brothers uh, ultimately had an offer from from uh, from uh, uh, Detroit-based uh, energy conglomerate, uh, American Natural Resources, said, "Hey, we'd we'd like to own Graves Truck Line," 
And so uh, they made a, a very good financial decision, one that was good not just for the family but for, for employees who were stockholders, shareholders in the company. And, and they sold the, the company in, uh, in the late 1970s, 1980, uh, more or less. And so I had, had built um, this whole notion of what my professional career was going to look like around around the trucking company and and uh, one day my dad called me while I was a uh, I was in graduate school at the University of Kansas and just uh, said hey I have to tell you I made a decision and we've sold sold the business and it really um, it was bittersweet because again it was it was for everyone it was a good financial outcome but uh, it required me to kind of rethink what I was going to do um, and um, one of my mentors uh, which is one of the funny stories in, in my sort of personal political life I had, had had been interested in speech and debate in high school and my uh, my uh, teacher instructor was Gary Shear mm -hmm. um, and uh, Gary had had ended up leaving education and, and actually coming to work for Graves Truck Line. He did public relations and some of our work here in Topeka uh, while, while, uh, while I was growing up. And so uh, I called Gary and I just said, you know, you've heard the news probably that the company's been sold and I'm not sure what, what, uh, where, I'm, where I'm headed. And he said, well, you know, there's, uh, there was a presidential election going on in 1980. Ronald Reagan was running and was eventually elected president. But he said, uh, there's a really fine gentleman named George Herbert Walker Bush who is, is running. And, and uh, I know that his staff, is, his team is looking for some folks here in Kansas to, to, uh, to uh, uh, work on the campaign. And, you know, maybe you ought to just try something like that. And so I signed on in 1980 on the, the, the Bush campaign and worked about four months was all it took, uh, probably January through the first part of May, uh, before uh, uh, Bush was, was selected as Reagan's running mate, but the campaign sort of evaporated. Um, but during that time, I met a number of people in Topeka. I met a number of people uh, over in the Secretary of State's office, because that's where you would go to get the voter registration rolls. Mm -hmm. And and, uh, and uh, that was the then what led me to meet Jack Breyer, uh, who a few months later in, in uh, July of 1980 called me and said hey I have a spot open in the Secretary of State's office if you'd be interested in joining the team so it was it was kind of a quick turnaround I went from thinking I was private sector trucking uh, in late 1979 to uh, working literally in the Capitol building uh, which was pretty pretty interesting and almost overwhelming uh, to show up every day and your your office was in the state capitol um, but it uh, you know it worked out great and and uh, I loved uh, I loved all my time with the family and with our family business uh, but I was sure thankful and and enjoyed uh, then putting my toe into the public policy uh, political water so a lot of people that work in a staff position like that <coughs> excuse me some people get the bug for politics uh, from the perspective of running for elected office uh, some of them get a view and say, if I ever had any thoughts, they're gone now. Clearly, you were the former. Um, as a staff person, did you look at that world and think to yourself, proactively, I want to run for something? Or even then, did you have to be 
coerced or have somebody suggest it to you? Uh, were you recruited or did you have a passion to go seek that position on your own? I, I, I really didn't. In fact, um, Scott, I uh, after a few years, and the, the, the dates get a little fuzzy, but um, um, Bob Dole had become the majority leader of the United States Senate, um, and I actually one day uh, approached Jack about resigning because I had made up my mind that after two or three years uh, in Topeka at the Capitol that, boy, I was ready for the, for the big city and that I was going to, uh, to go to Washington and, and uh, seek a position working for Senator Dole. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, so I, love the, I love the supporting staff role that I had with Jack, and I envisioned myself in the same kind of situation uh, with, with Senator Dole. Uh, and again, just a, a fortuitous um, occurrence, Jack talked me out of it and said, I really think you ought, to, uh, you ought to stay here. And I think that's because Jack was already thinking himself about uh, running for governor uh, in 1986 mm-hmm. uh, and that he had, uh, I think, believed I probably had the capability of, of running to replace him in the Secretary of State's office, which, of course, is what what happened um so if you know you might say i was recruited by jack uh, but he did it in a very uh sort of subtle and sneaky way uh and uh, the next thing i knew jack was an announced candidate uh for governor um and i just you know, it's, it was just sort of a lark uh, mm-hmm. in that uh, I'd never run for office before, and all of a sudden I'm driving around the state of Kansas, uh, you know, uh, asking everyone to support me for Secretary of State. And uh, that's a- how I got started. At age 30? Well, the election in 86, so in 85 I would have been uh, uh, 32 years old. That is, for a lot of our listeners may know, but for those that don't, that is unusually young for a statewide office. It's, 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 not, it's not record-breaking young, but, yeah, it's, it's, it's pretty young. Yeah. Uh, and then eight years at the Secretary of State? Eight years as the Secretary of State. Um, the first time I ran, I, uh, uh, I remember very clearly I had, a, I had a primary election because obviously the job, the job had been held by, the, by Elwell and, uh, Paul and Elwell Shanahan for, for years and years and years uh, before Jack became Secretary of State. And uh, so um, there were several fine Republicans uh, who who ran in the primary? I I was fortunate to to win, and then uh, my opponent uh, in the general election was a state representative from Topeka. Judy Runnels mm-hmm. was her name. She was another very fine fine person, uh, and so we were in one of those situations where the the state was going to be well served, irrespective of the outcome. But uh, um, I got my first taste of political success in the in the general election in 1986. Yeah, and clearly enjoyed the elected role because the decision then to move on to run for governor, not an easy one. Um, we recently recorded a podcast with current Governor Kelly, and we talked a lot about you know the gravity of that decision. You know, governor is a, as you know, a very different animal even than the other statewide office. Uh, responsibilities and time commitments. Uh, so your pursuit of the governor's office, was that 
you know, fairly unbridled, excited to do it, or was that a, a real deliberative process to have to commit to that kind of uh, effort and that kind of obligation? Well, uh, again, I hope I don't get the details. I, you know, um, uh, Mike Hayden had been elected uh, in 1986, and I suppose as a, as a Republican Secretary of State, uh, and I, to, to this day I'm friends with Mike and, and uh, had hoped he would be a, a two-term uh, Republican governor, and I think we were all shocked, surprised, uh, when he was defeated in his, in his re-election uh, in 1990 uh, by Joan Finney. Um, and at the time, the attorney general was, was Bob Steffen, uh, and Attorney General Steffen was having his share of, of, uh, of, uh, of, of challenges with some, some legal issues and some allegations of, of misconduct. Uh, um, I, Fletcher Bell, I think, was, yeah. had, 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 had given up the insurance commissioner's office, and I the, think the we briefcase. Were, Fletcher had hurt his back badly and, and uh, uh, had, had you know, a lot going on. There were, anyway, the, the long and short of my, there were, there seemed to be issues with uh, our attorney general, our insurance commissioner. I don't think the state treasurer might have been Sally Thompson. I get a little confused, but, but at the end of the night, November election of 1990, um, I was sort of the last Republican standing, which was stunning for a, a, a Republican-dominated state like Kansas. But in terms of who stood out or who uh, seemed to have some, some wind in their sails uh, pointing towards uh, uh, 1994, um, it, it was me. Um, and I'm not saying that, um, you know, I was stunned uh, because, again, it wasn't necessarily what what I had, you know, aspired to do. I loved uh, the Secretary of State's job. It was it was uh, it was wonderful. I got to travel the state, meet a lot of good people, um, but a number of friends uh, more or less said, you know, you're you're you know, it's like being in the on deck circle at a ball game, and somebody said you're up. Uh, so we started to. To pivot towards what it would take to be a, a candidate for governor um, in 1994, and um, with the expectation that we'd be challenging a setting Democratic governor, um, and of course that didn't didn't come to pass. Governor Finney surprised everyone by deciding to to just be a one-term governor, and and. Uh, uh, <laughs> and so many, many jumped into the to the governor's race. <laughs> so we had a crowded Republican field, and um, Jim Slattery jumped in on the Democrat side. And Jim, who's a fine, fine person, uh, someone I consider to be a friend, and uh, um, that was that was a, a, a you know an awesome challenge because he was a six-term congressman. He was very smart. He was very knowledgeable about issues. Uh, he knew how to conduct himself on the campaign trail. So uh, all of a sudden, uh, Secretary of State versus you know six-term congressman uh, seemed like a pretty uphill uphill battle. Uh, and no Secretary of State had ever been elected to higher office in the history of our state. So I did um, not know that. Wow. So we had. Uh, we had a lot to do. Yeah. Uh, Jim was a formidable candidate no matter what race he was in. Well. He really was. Well, that, uh, all those odds overcome, elected as governor, and 
elect, reelected as governor. A couple of noteworthy statistics there, and then I want to come back and talk for a minute about some of your experiences while you were in the governor's office. But elected at 41, as you mentioned earlier, not the youngest in state history, but certainly one of the youngest, uh, and reelected, which is always in some ways, maybe a more defining benchmark of of how you're doing than the original election. 74% of the vote, if I've got my research right in your re-election, that was the largest margin of victory for any governor in a race that year in America. Largest margin of victory uh, amongst competing governors. So uh, obviously doing something right. What, uh, What would be some of your favorite memories or opportunities that came with your time as governor uh, be those policy successes or, or maybe even just other duties of the job that the public don't see as much? And conversely, what are some of the biggest challenges? Uh, Boy, we'll cover a lot of territory. Uh, you know, um, obviously, if the, personally, I have to have to um, say that, that uh, bringing home Katie, our daughter, to Cedar Crest um, was, you know, still is one of the highlights of my life and Linda's life. Um, we we were both busy professionals. Linda was an attorney, been practicing law in Kansas City. Um, I'd been, you know, in the public policy political arena, and, and uh, we got married in 1990. Um, and uh, I think we thought that you just kind of turned a switch and, and, you know, a child would, would appear. Uh, <laughs> and uh, we, we discovered that, uh, that we were not going to be in a position to, to, uh, to have children. And so we, after a lot of deliberation, said, you know, we should, uh, we should look to adopt. So we uh, adopted Katie and uh, brought her home uh, shortly after she was born in October of 1995. Um, and it was a lot of fun because, um, obviously Linda did not look like she was expecting. Uh, and so to throw up, uh, the, it's a girl signs in the front yard of Cedar Crest, uh, <laughs> was, uh, was, was really special. Um, and, and I said then, and I, and I still, you know, it was true then it's true now. Um, having a child, uh, is a really, really valuable, um, you learn a lot of valuable lessons about um, what the needs of of some of our most vulnerable um, little ones are. Uh, I mean, everything from the from the uh, the health care, the support they need with early childhood immunizations. A um, lot of lot of you know, we did child safety seat promotions for you know for automobiles. Um, it just it 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 helped me, I think, be a more uh, complete and well-rounded uh, governor mm-hmm. uh, that second that second term. Um, so Katie was was clearly one of the high points. Um, we had a, a number of, of public policy successes that that uh, that I'm proud of. I mean, mo- you know, most notable coming from the transportation background was 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 a was a big transportation uh, initiative, ten year, thirteen billion dollar highway program, and what I really loved about that, Scott, was um, we 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 had to ask Kansans uh, to pay more fuel tax in order to to, to fund uh, that program, and 
I was and still am so pleased that, that more or less the answer from Kansans was, okay, we get it. You know, roads aren't free. They're not cheap. Uh, we, will, we will pay more fuel tax, but we want to see the results. We, you know, we don't want to pay more and then, you know, not get what we were promised. Uh, and at the time, uh, Dean Carlson was my Secretary of Transportation. He'd come from the Federal Highway Administration. I think he's one of the most knowledgeable, capable transportation professionals that we've, we've ever had, and we've had a lot of good ones. Uh, Dean did such a great job with that, that program, uh, and, and I think it made a, made a difference. It was important to the state that we do that. Transportation's an essential element of our, of our, uh, uh, you know, of our state. Um, so transportation, we did a lot of things with, with higher education. Uh, you know, in the old days, we used to sort of have the community colleges, junior colleges set off, if you will, and, you know, by themselves, separate and apart from our four-year institutions. And we sort of did some higher ed uh, restructuring where they started to work more closely together and, and, and coordinate in, in, in budgeting and policy kinds of requests seems probably mundane but it matters mm -hmm. uh, those are the kinds of things that that, that will, will will make a difference um oh golly you know we 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 were we were blessed we had a lot of revenue because the economy was good uh and uh, we had too much revenue so we were able to have a, a very robust conversation about cutting people's taxes um the 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 challenge we faced was is that Everybody had different ideas about which taxes to cut and how much they ought to be cut. Uh, and ultimately, um, you know, the final decision more or less rests with the governor, uh, whether you're putting a bill together or whether you're making a decision about signing it or not. Um, and, and that was uh, the best of times, the worst of times, because we were, we were doing something that I thought was, was going to be good for for Kansans, but uh, in the midst of it, we, we kind of crossed into that territory that's, you know, sort of apparent in, in, in the country and in the state today where um, people, people get, you know, dig in their heels and, and uh, have strong opinions about what they want to see happen. And when, when things don't go exactly the way they would like to see them, uh, uh, you know, Nerves get frayed, uh, relationships get strained, and politics can get very, very tough. Mm -hmm. I have to tell you something, full disclosure, one of the first things you went to is the transportation plan. Uh, this is just a little of my background that influences very much how I see that. My dad was a career KDOT engineer. Dean Carlson was his boss. He ran the planning department. Um worked for Deb Miller, who worked for Dean Carlson. And then when Deb took Dean's job, my dad took Deb's job and so on and so forth. But the point of it is I come from a family, as you do, hugely invested in the value of transportation infrastructure and infrastructure generally. And uh, had you asked me, you know, Scott, what's your favorite legacy that came out of my time as governor that would have been my answer yeah we uh, we we went about it i think the right way we 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 put a a panel or a commission 
together, and I believe Gary Shear was intimately involved. I know Mary Turkington, mm-hmm. who had been the head of the Kansas Motor Carriers, was uh, maybe one of the chairs of the of the commission. And Mary was important because if you're going to if you're going to to ask uh, for additional fuel tax, yep. I knew firsthand that 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 you know one of the those that would pay a lot of that were going to be people that were in the trucking business in this state. Uh, and so Mary was willing to, to, to lead the, the Kansas motor carriers in support of a fuel tax increase. But as I said, they wanted to, to see, you know, uh, solid results. Um, we, we set a threshold, and I, it's the, the number will probably escape me, but we, we promised every county, every, all 105 counties, that there would be a minimum threshold of financial investment mm-hmm. uh, in their county. Just, you know... Uh, and that went a long way towards placating county commissioners and the concern that it was all going to go to Johnson County or Sedgwick County. We, we wanted to, to invest in, in rural Kansas uh, all across the state. Um, we had a lot of needs in public transportation uh, that had, had gone unaddressed, so we had a big component for supporting public transportation. Uh, we we uh, you know depend a lot on our railroads. Uh, for the, for the movement of product, and uh, so we we brought railroads into the equation. Uh, we have a lot of uh, people that that use general aviation mm-hmm. uh, to get from place to place uh, uh, in our state. So we had a, a part of the plan that addressed the the needs of our general aviation, small airports in our state. Um, and I suppose you know one of the reasons it was thirteen billion dollars was because it took a big program. To really uh, make a, a dent in what we needed to do here in the state, and and as I said, we we had to ask for some some fuel tax money to support it, and uh, Kansan said yes, and and at the end of the day, the vote in the legislature was just overwhelmingly mm-hmm. positive, which was was a complete 180, the exact opposite of what Mike Hayden had gone through yes. when they uh, did a program 12 years earlier. Uh, it was it was ugly and mm-hmm. and uh, you know took a lot of uh, you know bending arms to get to get to a majority and the margin on that one the first one the vote I want to say if it wasn't one vote it was I think you're I think I think one vote might have been might have been right Scott uh, I personally I would love to talk a lot more about transportation specifically but I've got a few other things I want to cover and I want to. Uh, honor the time parameters we're working on here let me if i may i want to put in a couple of random uh, plugs here or notes and then i want to come back and we'll get back on track and maybe move forward to your career in dc Um, but you mentioned gary shearer earlier i certainly know of gary i didn't work with him close enough to have a relationship but and, and this is not a a question, Governor. I'm just making an observation. One of the things that I have always appreciated the most about Gary Shearer, you know, he's known for his involvement with the Regents and other things, but he was instrumental in creating the Leadership Kansas program. And I'm a graduate of that, and I consider that one of the most valuable, uh, and if it's not too dramatic to say it, maybe even transformational opportunities that I've had. Uh, and if I were to ever cross paths with him, 
would have been something I definitely would have brought to his attention. Well, he'd, he'd be pleased to hear that. And uh, I, too, am a Leadership Kansas mm-hmm. graduate, 1985. Best class ever. Uh, well, it was certainly a good class, <laughs> I thought. But, 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 but I think, I, I think uh, I'll put in a plug for Leadership Kansas because it, it continues to, yeah. to be an important uh, program, uh, identifying and, 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 and nurturing you know, uh, individuals throughout the state. I applied for Leadership Kansas in 1983 and didn't make the cut. I reapplied in 1984 and I didn't make the cut. So, so, so I went after that three times before I was successful. And I will say this, when I ran for office the first time in 1986 for Secretary of State, I used my Leadership Kansas network like you wouldn't believe these yeah. were great people they were they were very invested in their communities they were well known uh, they were making their own marks professionally and and uh, um, it was a it was a huge uh, part of of sort of my political strategy was to, to to use leadership Kansas and everyone I've ever counseled since then about political aspirations I've said to them you know, you ought to, if you're not involved, you ought to think about the Leadership Kansas Network. And I would expand that a little bit farther and say anybody that has aspirations to be in a leadership role in any capacity in Kansas, whether it's private enterprise, uh, nonprofit management, or elected office, those lessons and those networks are just invaluable. That's another topic that if we had time, I could spend uh, a lot of time visiting about. It's pretty, it is, to me at least, um, the experience itself and the training in the network is invaluable. It's also humbling when I go back and look at the list of graduates and what those folks have accomplished and to know that you were part of that program. Um, yeah, just, well, we'll, we'll move on, but I wanted to make that comment cause I know you and Gary Shearer, you know, very close, obviously. Well, and Scott, I, and I'd love to close the loop because I, so the listeners fully sort of appreciate mm-hmm. I walked into a classroom as a ninth grader in whatever year that would have been, probably 1968 or 69, met Gary Shear for the first time. In 1998, Gary Shear's name appeared on the ballot with me as my lieutenant governor, my running mate. Um, and I always thought it was it was sort of sweet poetic revenge that you know the <laughs> the, the high school teacher ultimately becomes you know uh, second fiddle to the to the student but but it but it but it speaks to the influence that great educators can have in your life not just during that brief moment in the classroom but for Gary it has continued uh, my entire life and we're still close today and and uh, and I, uh, I give him a lot of credit for helping me, um, you know, to be successful in, in anything, and especially in politics and public service, you have to be able to stand up in front of a group of people and, and communicate a, a message, and, and uh, I learned those skills from him. Yeah. Two other uh, specific mentions I want to make, and then I do want to spend a little bit of time um, with, with your job in D.C., trying to elicit some comparative thoughts from you on the change. But two other things, if I can mention real briefly, want to thank Dan Stanley and Scott Schneider. Those are mutual friends of ours, and they really helped facilitate this podcast. Uh, We were talking just before we started, Governor, that Dan Stanley was one of my 
very first bosses at a law school. My first job was as a staff person for the Topeka City Council, and he was a councilman. And then Scott Schneider, when I went to work for Gacious Braden, as it was known at the time, he was a co-worker of mine there, and they were instrumental in making this happen, so didn't want to let this pass without saying thanks to them on the air for putting us together. Absolutely. Yeah. Well, let's switch gears to D.C., and uh, if we had more time, I'd dive a lot deeper into what all you did with the Truckers Association but in light of the time that we have, let's focus instead. Give me your thoughts, if you would, on the major differences, A, between working in the state arena and the federal, and B, the differences between switching from being a policy maker to an advocate uh, who is lobbying policymakers. Uh, huge change. I would love to know some of your reflections on what that transition was like in both regards. Yeah. Well, c- certainly um, the, the, the whole federal process and uh, the, 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 the process of, of, of making policy is just a lot more complicated. And, 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 and I, you know, our, our forefathers, you know, they created this, this fabulous system, uh, our democracy, um, but sta- just you know, plainly speaking, state government is pretty simple, straightforward compared to the hoops and what you go through. And and I know we all get frustrated today and have you know probably for all of history with sometimes the the difficulty and slow pace of of making anything happen in Washington D.C. Um, that's sort of an inherent inherent to the, the, the process that, that is used, uh, it's even more time-consuming, careful, thoughtful than, than anything we do with, with state government. Um, it's probably one of the reasons I'm actually glad I didn't sort of find myself wanting uh, to jump into that, that, uh, that arena, uh, and I'm thankful for those who who have, for the Doles and the Casabombs and the Roberts and the Morans and you know, we've had great people um, represent our state in Washington, but um, it's uh, it's enough to tear one's hair out, uh, uh, <laughs> to tell you the truth. Um, and when you go from being, uh, in effect, the person everyone comes to ask favors of or to 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 uh, share information with in hopes of, 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 of influencing your opinion and your actions on an issue, from going from that side of the table to the side that's going in mm-hmm. asking uh, for, uh, you know, help to support things that matter to the business community, to the trucking industry. Uh, it was pretty humbling. Um, there were moments when it was, it had its frustrations because um, there are, are, are clearly people who um, understand uh, logistics and the, the need to move billions and billions of tons of freight, you know, every day across the country. Um, we have a number of members of Congress who, who simply thought of our industry as, as dirty, unsafe, um, unregulated, uh, you know, truckers, uh, you know, causing havoc on the nation's highways every day. And uh, coming from the background I came from, it was just very, very hard to, uh, you know, kind of hold one's tongue mm-hmm. uh, and, and sort of stay on message and try to work 
our way through to the other side, which is an appreciation that we're we're all trying to to do uh, to do the right thing by our industry and the right thing for the you know people and the consumers in this country. Um, and uh, I was able to tolerate it for 14 years, and then Scott, I think I just got ready to let someone else do that. Um, Washington's a, a fabulous place. Uh, it's uh, uh, you know so many young people just aspire as I did at one point in time to to go and work in Washington. Um, but it's uh, it's a it's a very very complex uh, 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 you know city. Um, lots of lots of ego. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's lots of, of power that you know emanates. Uh, uh, throughout that whole city, and uh, it takes a kind of special person who who really wants to uh, operate within that that kind of environment. Uh, and I will just confess, it turns out I'm not one of them, uh, and that's okay uh, because we have good people who do want to do that. Yeah, I'll confess I share the same. I haven't had the exposure at the federal level that you have, but I have the same disposition i would rather be involved at the state level than the federal level Uh, as you and i both know at the state level it can seem at times like things are taking forever and there are artificial barriers to getting things done that are frustrating but compared to the federal level it's it just pales in comparison you know well and i i i always felt like um one of the things i loved about the job was how how close you really are to people um, you talking about the governor's job? The governor's job. Yeah. You know, I don't care whether it was the the time you spent, the days you'd spend walking the grounds at the state fair, you know, visiting Independence for Nia Walla, going to the Pancake Day in Liberal Grant County Home Products Dinner. I mean, I those were all moments where uh, someone who had something to share with you could could probably find a way to you know tug on your your sleeve and yeah. and and share that message. Washington's not that way. Uh, the 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 established, you know, the, the members of Congress have huge staffs. Um, they are they are pretty isolated, uh, and as you know, lately the 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 the, the tenor the the things have gotten to the point that many don't do many town hall meetings anymore. They they they're pretty selective about where they go and what they do to avoid some of the. Some of the you know more controversial um, mm-hmm. you know kinds of issues that are that are that are out there. Um, state government always had a way of 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 keeping you grounded uh, and keeping you focused on task, which was what do we need? How do we how do we get together and figure out how to make something work that solves this problem that that seems to be you know uh, uh, you know uh, that our state's dealing with at this moment. Yeah. Uh, you mentioned some of the things, you mentioned some specific events when you were talking about the accessibility that was still there as your time as governor. It's a pretty good segue. One of the questions I wanted to ask you today, and maybe good to get us towards wrapping up here, which we need to for time's sake, but as both a lifelong Kansan uh, and as somebody who had the opportunity to spend eight years as governor, which uh, provides a lot or facilitates a lot of exposure to the state. What would be some of your favorite hidden, I say hidden, less well-known Kansas treasures, uh, whether that would be 
a location or a, a history that most people don't know about or a place you can go to get a steak that's your favorite that nobody, whatever it is, what are some of your favorite parts of the state that a lot of our listeners, even who may be native Kansans, might not have had any background on or? Well, you know, first of all, you discover that every county, uh, you know, practically every city has some sort of, there's something special about it. There's there's a history there. They just didn't pop up, you know, yesterday. And uh, so it was always fun to be part of, you know, the celebrations that that occur throughout the state. Um, The universities were always, um, you might say, anchors for that same kind of enthusiasm, whether it was sports programs being at a at a you know presenting the governor's cup at a k-state ku football game whether it was you know attending a you know one of the basketball games being in 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 you know watching wichita state play um you know getting to do all that was was so very was so very fun i enjoyed though in addition some of the some of the policy some of the work involved uh, going to you know cheyenne bottoms out by by Great Bend, Cheyenne mm-hmm. Bottoms is a national treasure. It's a it's a uh, a critical um, you know uh, conservation you know component of our of the of the flyway for migratory waterfowl, and um, to be out there and and just see it and have the experts. And I think I was out probably with Mike Hayden, who of course came back and served as the Secretary of Wildlife and Parks after Steve Williams uh, left to to go run uh, U.S. Fish and Wildlife, but to have a, 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 an expert describe for you what was going on with water levels, what was going on with, with, with what needed to happen to, to preserve something like Cheyenne Bottoms, those were, those were meaningful moments. Uh, you know, southeast Kansas, uh, oftentimes probably not, not as you know, much on some of the, the politician's map as it needs to be but i loved pittsburgh pittsburgh state university was one of my favorite places um uh, tom bryant they had a dynamic president that i just thought was a wonderful guy uh, gene bicknell who had mm-hmm. run against me uh in the election in 1994 gene was passionate about support for pittsburgh state and and i'll always remember um uh, scott that they needed uh, some additional funds for a technology center at, at pittsburgh state and there was this concern that maybe the fact that that gene was sort of one of the leading voices wanting to see that happen and the history with you know our our political background and of course nothing could have been you know closer to the truth i i cared a lot about those that area and that university and I was very happy to be an advocate for, for state funding to help finish off the Technology Center at Pittsburgh State, which was a huge success. Wyandotte County, uh, I'm going to tell you, figuring out that, that helping get a Kansas Speedway mm-hmm. built um, was going to transform uh, western Wyandotte County into what it is today. Uh, Probably in hindsight will be one of the you know the high points on my list. Um, I love the the you know I I had an interest in motorsports uh, uh, as a kid uh, and to have the to have the NASCAR family come sit down and say hey we're thinking about Kansas City um, you know and I I just remember saying just tell us what you need because we want to make this happen tell us what you need. 
but I didn't really expect that out of that we would get Nebraska Furniture Mart, uh, you know, Cabela's, Bass Pro, the the soccer stadium. I mean, the list goes on and on. What's what's happened there? And you know, uh, there was a time when Republicans didn't devote a lot of attention on you know the problems in Wyandotte County. Um, and again, I give Gary a lot of credit, Gary Shear, for recognizing that we had a great economic uh, you know development opportunity there. Um, so, so I don't know. I, I suppose the, the the most special thing about Kansas is is the people and the chance to interact with them, and and then feel good about hopefully getting on top of the things that that are that are of concern to them and and making a difference. Yeah, you a couple of notes. You mentioned Southeast Kansas. Uh, I've had the good fortune to record a podcast with Attorney General Derek Schmidt as well. Um, you may have had this conversation with them, but if you haven't, and you ever have an opportunity to let him give you a historical summary of the impact of Southeast Kansas on both local and national politics. It is like sitting at the knee of the master. And, and it's, it's, it's awesome because if you love history and policy as we both do, um, it's cool, but it's also awesome to maybe come to appreciate how impactful Southeast Kansas was once upon a time that I think most of us Kansans have lost sight of. Well, and my, my Linda's family's from Erie. The Ritchie family is from Erie, Kansas. And so we've uh, been down for, for the Erie bean feed, uh, <laughs> the old soldiers and sailors uh, celebration down there. And, and, uh, and I've been down uh, not just for Neowalla, but was down for the William Inge Festival and in Independence. Uh, and, uh, you know, another person who made a, a tremendous you know literary impact uh in this in this country um uh, and again you find those stories uh, everywhere throughout our state and uh, that is one thing about being taken away to the to the job in washington that uh, that i guess i miss um and and uh, uh you know that's why i'm always happy when when people like you call me and say, why don't we sit down and talk? I can use it as a reason to get back here. Yeah. Do you, uh, are you familiar with Marcy Penner, the author here in Kansas? Uh, vaguely. She is, I don't know her personally. Uh, so I probably should be careful how much I laud her as a person. I don't know her, but she has a book. It's either called the Explorer's Guide to Kansas, the Traveler's Guide to Kansas. It is an unbelievable work. She went to every city, every township, you know, cities of 23 people documented the history of all of it, you know, but not just the history, but Hey, stop by Al soda fountain while you're in town. And, you know, here's the phone number and here's the history of that. And, and she laid the book out, uh, geographically instead of alphabetically, whatever. So as a traveler, you can literally, put this book on your lap it's about listeners can't see about two inches thick i'm making the sign and uh you as you drive down the highway the book flows as does your journey and so every mile marker you pass every city you can read and decide whether or not you want to stop in there it's a fascinating fascinating book and one of the greatest kind of unsung economic development uh achievements of the last 10 or 20 years for Kansas. I really think that it led myself. I got it when I graduated from leadership, Kansas, Uh another great takeaway there. It was a gift to the class members. And at that time 
I started, uh, Jill and I started taking a vacation every year without leaving the state of Kansas, which cool. is something we had never done. So, yeah, very yeah, nice. It's very neat. Yeah. Well, I hate to, Governor, but I need to maybe lay one more question on you and then, then wrap this up. Uh, but for our listeners out there, so many of them certainly will remember your time here, and a lot of them also know what you went on to do in D.C., but for our listeners who will be curious, uh, what fills your time today, whether that's professional or personal or philanthropic or family, whatever it may be? Well, uh, I am uh, I'm retired, but, but I will confess that, that uh, I often say that I I don't I don't know how I ever had time to work because I have you know so many things going on I am uh, I'm on uh, three boards um, uh, I mentioned the the NASCAR uh, relationship uh, having met with and worked closely with the France family uh, back in the you know late 1990s and and when the track was opened in in the early 2000s uh, when I left office in 2003. Um, Bill France called and said, we, we have a spot on our board and, and, you know, we think you're the kind of person with a political background, transportation background, you know, you understand, uh, the, you know, obviously Kansas Speedway, um, you know, wants you to join our board. So I went on the ISC board, uh, in, uh, 2003 and continue to serve, although we're, we're at, at, at a point where the families, uh, uh, offered to take that company private. Um, and so here in the next few months, we, we hope to conclude a transaction where uh, I'll put myself out of work, so to speak, on the mm-hmm. ISC board. But it's been a fabulous experience to be part of that. Um, I'm on the board of a small transportation technology company that's actually principally owned by a, a private equity company out of Boston, but is, is based in Phoenix. So I go out there uh, uh, for you know quarterly meetings in, in Phoenix, and then I am on the uh, the board of the U.S. Alliance uh, Insurance Company mm-hmm. that is uh, run by my good friend Jack Breyer here in Topeka, uh, and I come out here uh, quarterly for uh, for meetings with Jack and and the rest of his team. So those are three things I do that are that are still. Uh, sort of uh, professionally challenging and, and of interest to me. Um, my daughter, Katie, graduated from college. She lives in uh, Greensboro, North Carolina. She has a very interesting job. She's actually an events coordinator at a vineyard outside Winston-Salem, North Carolina. That sounds awesome. And they do, you know, weddings and corporate events. And and, uh, and uh, the wine is, is, it's not California, you know, uh, uh, great stuff, but it's, pretty decent for North Carolina and, yeah. and reasonably priced. Uh, Linda is still very, very involved in, in uh, equestrian things, horses. She has three. Um, and uh, we split time between a home we have in McLean, Virginia, and a home we purchased uh, near West Palm Beach, Florida. Uh, and uh, we have two, currently two uh, Wonderful golden retrievers that are, uh, you know, best friends, and uh, my principal job is uh, is dog walking, uh, which uh, which is great because it uh, it keeps me moving, yeah, and and uh, trying to hang on to to my health, and in my free time I try to find my way to hit a golf ball occasionally, and I'm a very yeah. poor. Uh, golfer, but I like it just in terms of getting outside and, and enjoying it. So, uh, you know, I'm 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 in a good spot, Scott. And and uh, uh, as I mentioned, uh, 
uh, earlier, you know, people have often said, well, you, you know, you were young and you should have, should have run for, for something else. And, and, you know, uh, my time has come and, and, and gone. Uh, when I left office in 03, we had fine people as we do today, uh, serving Kansas in, in key uh, federal positions. It was nothing that was ever of great interest to me. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and certainly not so much so that I would, would, uh, create a, uh, you know, a firestorm of controversy by, by challenging some setting member of, of our delegation. And, uh, so I just, uh, moved on with my life and, and, uh, and, uh, loved, uh, you know, the, the eight years as governor will always be the, the, the highlight of my life. Uh, something I enjoyed immensely. I, I do wish I could have done it, you know, longer, more, but that's not the way the rules are written. And so, uh, I tell people all the time, I think I was successful. I, I started and finished with the same wife. Uh, <laughs> I, I, you know, was never indicted. Uh, and, I, <laughs> and I got real work uh, at the end of it. So I think that's success. I would say that is quite a successful resume. Yeah. Uh, if you can meet those three metrics, that's you're ahead of half of the graduating class already. I want to make one last comment on your uh, resume in retirement. You said your primary job is as a dog walker to two golden retrievers. As far as I'm concerned, your career has hit its its apex only now in this respect. Uh, those are, without a doubt, the most grateful and enjoyable clients you will ever serve that's exactly they're my they're my best constituents absolutely yeah there's nothing quite like a dog and there's nothing quite like a golden retriever yeah that's great well governor thank you so much for making time to come by and visit with us it's fantastic to catch up with you and uh good of you to carve out time to do this scott i appreciate it and uh, maybe down the road we'll be talking again i hope so whether it's over a a golf ball or or whatever it may be well bhl podcast listeners thank you for tuning in it's been my pleasure to spend today with uh, former kansas governor bill graves hope you've enjoyed the visit and uh, we'll look forward to visiting with you next time on the bhl podcast